Welcome to Terminal Value. So everything I do here at Terminal Value is based around one big question, and that is how do growth-oriented people transform their business and their life to achieve world-class levels of value in everything they do? That is the question, and I am here to bring you the answers. My name is Doug Utberg, and this is Terminal Value. I publish new podcast episodes five times per week. So make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any content. And also make sure to follow me on social. You can just look for the Doug Utberg handle. Please comment and let me know your thoughts. I'm looking forward to working together so that we can make your life amazing. Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast. We have Mark Drager with us today with Phantom Media. And what we're going to be talking about is doing hard things. And this is actually taking a little bit of a personal spin. But what I found is that when you're talking about business is that you actually really need to have your inside game, right? You know, your mindset, your personal game in top shape in order to really perform business-wise. Because at least what I found is that any business can only do as well as the people who are running it. And if you have a small business, the people who are running it is you, you're every department. And so if you don't have your own game at top notch, then that means you're going to you prematurely cap out how far your business can go. But anyway, Mark, don't let me talk too much here. Uh, go ahead and introduce <laughs> sure. yourself. Well, thank you for having me, Doug. I, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, so so I am an entrepreneur. I started yeah. an agency back in 2006. I was 23 uh. years old not making a lot of money, but I thought, you know what? I'm not making very much money in corporate. I can go make more money somewhere else, which eventually happened, but it yeah. didn't start out that way. I'm just going to interrupt you real quick. I promise I'll let you go again. So the thing is, you were actually very blessed that way because, so I spent 20 years in corporate and the more money you make in corporate, the harder it gets to tear yourself away. I think Nassim Taleb, one of my many favorite things he said, but he said the three most addictive substances in the world are carbohydrates, heroin, and a predictable income. <laughs> I was going to say status must be one of them, Yeah, but uh, predictable income will lead to that status. And, uh, you know what? You say that, you say that, and I believe it's true, but it's true yeah. of every single person in every single situation at a certain yeah. point. So whether you spent 20 years in corporate and yeah. it's hard to walk away from the security of the six-figure income or whatever it might be, whether you're like me, I spent 14, 13 years building up a multi-million dollar agency. Yeah. Before COVID, I had 24 staff. We were a multi-million dollar company. But for like the last few years before COVID, I was not happy. I was yeah. trapped, just as trapped as someone in corporate may be. I felt more trapped. Well, well actually, and so. So this, this is the thing. If you build a bad business, yeah. you're actually even more trapped than a career because- Because you it, can't bail. <laughs> because you can't bail. Nobody's going to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. It hit me. Go, okay, it hit I'll me at a certain sell to who? Nobody's gonna buy it. It hit me at a certain point where I realized, oh, um, like this, this career, this company, this brand, this thing I'm doing is like a stepping stone on each of my staff's career paths. And this isn't my stepping stone. This is like a shackle yeah. <laughs> around my ankle. So. I like many people who spent many years working in business or in corporate or, or pursuing a career before they step out on their own. Yeah. I did that building a company the improper, immature way and then had to deconstruct it very painfully to work on rebuilding it. And it's just as painful. And, and ultimately, you know, we're going to talk I'll, about we doing hard things, yes. doing hard things. I mean, like no matter what, 
everything in life is hard all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and because like you, know, the story you're telling is very typical. And so, you know, I think the linear type A way of thinking about it would be, okay, well, what you do is just learn how to do everything right and then just do it that way. And if you do that, I 100% guarantee you'll never start. So here's what you do, bumble your way forward and then figure it out as you're going along. And it sounds completely counterintuitive, but that's the only way anything meaningful has ever happened. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I've had the opportunity to start. And a lot of people, when I go on podcasts and I speak, they, they want to know the origin story. You know, yeah. what did you do in 2006 and 2007? How did you survive the recession? How did you, you know, build to a million dollars the first time? Yeah. And I like made a lot of like small mistakes. And then we figured every quote yeah. unquote figured everything out. Yeah. And then what I didn't realize is year seven, year ten in the business, year twelve in the business, I was making bigger mistakes. But I had thought I had gotten over startup. I thought I had it figured out. I didn't even know until much later that I was making <laughs> much more expensive, yeah. much bigger mistakes. Yeah. And then uh, having to like let the business contract. Yeah completely restructure, have to buy people out and let them go, have to completely shift our client base yeah. and then start again, almost yeah. like almost start again. I've learned, <laughs> I've learned that it's the never ending cycle yeah. of making mistakes, learning and going. It's not just reserved for the first few years you do something. Yes. Because, uh, and especially because like you're, you're talking about business growth trajectory. And I would say the, the biggest thing misconception a lot of people have is they'll they'll hear okay you know so-and-so has a million dollar business or a five million dollar business or ten million dollar business i'm like that's the revenue i could make a ten million dollar business i could grow a business to ten million dollars very quickly if i was willing to lose 50 million dollars <laughs> on the other hand <laughs> trying to grow 10 million where say like i keep five of that is very difficult yeah, <laughs> and, and because everybody they talk about the top line, but they kind of ignore the bottom line, and that's kind of important because that's what you're going to pay for everything that isn't a ordinary necessary business expense. With I agree, <laughs> I <have> to add <laughs> to that. <laughs> but anyway, okay, we're veering not entirely off topic, but you know we're doing the meandering podcast episode path, which is completely awesome. But let's get back to doing hard things because this strikes us a chord with my soul because uh, at least one of the things I've found is that more or less everything you want to meaningfully accomplish will come back to doing hard things that you really don't want to or would rather ignore. So unlock the box for us. <laughs> Well, so we're actually not meandering at all. This is 100% in line with my greatest passion in my heart, mm -hmm. which is I believe that you are worth pursuing your passions for. Yeah. I believe that everyone should pursue their passions at all costs. And because we were talking about earlier, you know, doing your time in corporate yeah. or being an entrepreneur and feeling trapped by the very outward success that that others would kind of pat me on the back for, but frankly, I just didn't find fun anymore. I didn't find yeah. enjoyable. We could, we could look at relationships. We could look at health. We could look at finance. We could look at all areas of our life. But what I found is so many of us are really willing to do things for others, maybe our team, especially yeah. our clients or our customers. You know, We're always willing to put others first, but we always take a back seat. Uh -huh. And there's this funny thing that happens. I've worked with, I don't even know how many, I've worked with tons and tons of startup entrepreneurs. Yeah. And when startup entrepreneurs jump into business, there's this idea that you can build something and grow it without maybe too much risk, which just frankly isn't true, yeah. or that you could do it without 
really any startup capital, which might happen very slowly or organically, but you still have to spend yeah. money on something. Like you still need some money or that you well, can somehow do it without any people. And it's like, yeah. uh, like, and, and I keep bumping up against it. I couldn't figure out why, why I would be trying to help these people and they would feel like they are entitled to or capable of growing this amazing thing without putting anything in, without putting anything on the line, without risking anything, yeah. without sacrificing anything. And I realized we all do this. If you spend 20 years in corporate, you're right. It is very hard to walk away from all of that status and all of that security and maybe the pension and maybe you know the medical coverage yeah. and the income and everything else. You don't want to take a hit. You don't want to sacrifice the next three to five years doing what you have to do to spend the next 20 or 30 years doing what you love. Yeah, You should. I mean, it's like when I put it that way, doesn't it just make sense to spend three to five years taking a bit of a hit either financially or with relationships or emotionally or even on the status side well, doesn't it make sense to make that investment to spend the next decades doing what you love so yes and i'm going to come at risk of stealing a little bit of your thunder by explaining why here's the why okay the first why is from a career perspective at some point you're going to basically age out of a corporate career Typically, that happens somewhere between upper 50s and 60s. Okay, well, essentially, one of the things that we found uh, you know, recently is that if people stay mentally engaged, particularly if they're doing something that they actually enjoy and have developed competency in, they can be very successful. They can actually statistically be materially more successful than the average person up until a very advanced age, upper 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s sometimes. You know, it all depends on how you maintain your mental acuity and whether you stay physically fit. Those are the two keys to the box. I go, all right, well, that is a non-starter in corporate. Basically, by the time you hit the end of your runway, you'd better have had, had, had enough money stashed away, or you're going to have to go through this painful startup process at you know at you know in your upper 50s or 60s you know trying to figure out all the stuff that your IT and HR and facilities departments were doing for you before. Uh, so that's one thing is it gives you that career direction. The other thing is that if you do it right, you can create a life that is built around being authentically you, which is not an option for 99.999% of corporates, unless you're the person that owns the place, in which case, if you're public, you still have to do the song and dance for the board directors, for the investors, et cetera, et cetera. And I've become increasingly sensitized to how important really building a life around being authentically you is just because after a while you get so good at being fake that there's not a you left. In my story, what happened was I was actually kind of you know, mid corporate career doing really well, you know, your know, future's bright. New chief information officer comes in, says, oh, this Doug guy, program management office director, he's too close to the CFO. I want to be the one who manages all of the uh, executive communications. I got a half hour meeting on my calendar. And then I got told that I was being let go. Cut off my network access five minutes later. And then I got a message from my personal mail with the paltry severance package. And now, of course, since I took the severance package, I gave up my ability to sue, which I probably could have done, but whatever. But that's, you know, I kind of hit it really abruptly and it's created, it created a lot of chaos in my personal and professional life. Cause of course I hit the pandemic, you know, I was unemployed at the same time as like what 40 million other people. And so, you know, you had kind of had to go through this forced journey of self-discovery. But I think that, you know, if you are going to live a really full life, you have to go through that because if you are pretending to be what you need, think you need to for somebody else, 
you're not going to get more than about 80% of the way there. And that's better than a lot of people get to. But, you know, if you want to get all the way to the end of the road to see what's on the other side of the mountain, you're going to have to figure out how to do it being you without having to fake it. Anyway, rant over. You are the guest on the show. So please continue providing your thoughts. (laughs) Well, I agree with everything you said. And I wish more people would realize the importance of this because a few things happened to me. The first is I realized that I had spent 15 years building a brand, whether you're an entrepreneur in corporate, whatever, like my company, my brand, Phantom Media was my everything. That was my identity. I was the entrepreneur. I was uh, in marketing. I was in advertising. I, I was a creative strategist. I ran a team and I could make stuff and I made money and I could, you know, frankly, like my wife and I don't live a crazy lavish lifestyle, Mm -hmm. but we could do anything we wanted anytime we wanted. Yeah. Now, I mean, that's again, that's all within reason. We couldn't take three years off and not make any money or anything, but we wanted to go away, we'd go away. If we wanted to buy something, we bought something. Like we're just totally comfortable. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you so much, but you just triggered a thought because I would say probably one of the best feelings of financial fulfillment that I've ever had was the first time that I had enough income and savings to where when I went to the grocery store, I didn't have to pay attention to how much I spent. Never been able to equal that at any point in my life. No amount of capital appreciation, you know, money gains, whatever, never equals that feeling. And I'm like, wait a second, I don't have to worry about what I buy at the grocery store. It's just that, that all of a sudden there's this feeling of intense freedom and you only get it once. It only happens once. <laughs> well, they, they studies show that there's three <laughs> levels of wealth that matter. Yeah. When you can cover all of your monthly expenses without worry. Yeah. So rent, electric, water, food, right? Second, when you could go to a restaurant and not look at the, the prices on the menu and care. Uh-huh. And the third is when you can go on a vacation without worry. Anything above that, like if you're listening to this and you can cover all your monthly expenses, you can go to a restaurant and not you know, not like go like, yeah. oh, you know what? I probably shouldn't get that steak. I probably should get the chicken because it's cheaper <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And when you can go on a vacation and not feel like it's hurting you, anything above that, you are already living in, in gravy land, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> like you do not need anything more than that because everything else just has diminishing returns on happiness. Now, I'd also say money is awesome. Like money is amazing. Mm-hmm. It helps you out. And, and anyone who says it's not important is totally lying with you because- Having money to be able to cover everything, to be able to do what you want, to to take your creative ideas, to have freedom and comfort, to know that you could pay your hospital bills if you have to or whatever it might be. All of that stuff is awesome. It removes worry and it frees up mental space for you to do those creative things, those bold things, those big things. Yeah. And so I do that little caveat. But what I was saying earlier was something that really helped me in realizing that I was pouring everything into my brand and into my company was the moment that I realized that I am the product. Uh-huh. I am the product. And if I spend time and money on R&D, on my products and services in my company, am I spending time on my R&D? If my health, like if I need to show up with a certain energy, looking yeah. a certain way with a certain amount of confidence, why would I spend all of those hours on client projects, but not spend hours in the gym? Yeah. Why would I spend time agonizing over finances at work, but then not spend time maybe with my kids or my wife, helping them with homework mm-hmm. or schoolwork or whatever it might be? Yeah. And the realization that it was like, oh, whatever I build, whatever I have, my home, whatever it might be, whatever you have is irrelevant and eroding. But you, your knowledge, your skill sets, your abilities, how you feel, how you look, how you show up, your level of confidence, you are the product. And your life is very, very long. 
And you don't want to get to the end of it. And people always say, you know, you don't want to die with regrets. That didn't mean anything to me. Like, yeah, I, my friend Evan Carmichael, well, you know, first of all, you're other. always going to die with regrets. <laughs> no matter who you are, uh, you're going to die with regret. <laughs> with, with not. I don't think so. I totally disagree. You think you're going to die with regrets? What are those well, regrets I mean, going to be? Well, okay. I, I guess the thing is, well, like my, my main one will be my principal regret is I really wish I jumped sooner. <laughs> I can't do anything about that. You know, I, I, I came. What do you mean? You jump, you jump from corporate sooner? Yes. I go. Yeah. How, how yeah. old are you? I'm 45. 45. Dude, you're nothing. Uh, well, like, I know you're, that. you're not going to die. You're not like, let's say God willing, you're 88 years old and you're lying on your deathbed. You're not going to say, oh man, I wish 43 years ago, I had actually jumped 52 years ago. Like that won't matter to you at all, man. It won't well, matter well, and, at all. And if, yeah. and even now the fact that you're two years later and you're still holding on to it, there's nothing you can do about that, man. Well, Forgive and, yourself and, and move on. That was where I was going in a roundabout way is that, you know, no matter what you do, there will always be some kind of regrets, but what you ultimately have to do is understand it, let go of it, and then just focus on moving forward. Well, and hopefully you do that work before you're dying. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right, which Precisely. Is, so there's this amazing book, The Five Regrets of the Dying by Bonnie Ware. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not. I have not. I have not read that one yet. Yeah. So she was kind of like, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, other than like an Australian hippie. Okay. You know, grew up and wanted to leave her country home, but didn't really like want to do much. So she like lived in the outback for a bit. And then she kind of fell into house sitting, wealthy okay. people's homes. So she didn't own a home. She didn't do anything. She just went from one friend's wealthy home to another friend's wealthy home. And she lived in these amazing places because yeah. all she did was house sit. And then at a certain point, someone asked her to help a family member through the end of life care. So to be palliative care, yeah. to be there rather than house sit instead, can you watch like my auntie and like make sure she's okay. And this got her into a whole career of helping very compassionately helping mm -hmm. people transition through the end of life. And she noticed that a lot of people had the same five regrets. Regrets like, I wish I didn't work so hard. Or another regret was, I wish that I put my own needs above everyone else's once in a while. I wish I did what I want. Like pretty simple stuff. But I read this book two years ago. And so I was in like kind of my mid to late 30s. I'm, I'm turning 40 next year, but okay. I'm like 37. And I'm thinking to myself, if most people... 80, 90, God willing, they live a long time. If most people hit their dying moments and they know that they're about to die and they have these regrets, here's what I ask myself. Could I proactively accept these regrets as truth? Can I imagine that I will have these same regrets that these other people have? And can I get ahead of this and at this point in my life make the changes I need to make today so that way when I get there, I don't have these regrets? Yeah. And we were talking about hard things. Deciding to do this, to take this leap of faith that, you know what? It looks like, like the first one, I wish yeah. I didn't work so hard. I'm an entrepreneur. I like working hard. Yeah. Like I, I really like working hard. It makes me feel really, really good to put in hours, to put in a lot of time, to be really focused, to come up with new things, to push the boundaries, to take the risk and have it work out. I love that. Can I not work so hard? Will I regret that? Oh, that means I need to yeah. spend less time or rejig my schedule, or let people down, or move slower, make less money. Am I willing to do those things, yeah. you know, to be able to not have the regret later? Or not doing things for others? Hey, guess what? I'm in a service-based business. I spend yeah. all day, every day, working on other people's businesses, 
helping them with brand strategy, helping them develop who they need to be and what they need to say and how they need to look up or show up. And I spend all of my time doing things for others, for my wife and my kids. I do almost everything out of duty. Will I start prioritizing myself? And so this showed up in really small ways. Like, for example, every day now I work out during business hours. Mm -hmm. Now, up until three years ago, I never worked out at all. Didn't work out at all. Didn't get healthy. I lost 70 pounds. I've done all this fitness stuff. I'm like yeah. super aggressively working out now. But a big part of it was I had work life and family life. Where was I going to steal yeah. the time to work out from? I was going to say, yeah. So if you lost 70 pounds, then you were previously, you were past dad bond. That's like getting into oh, yeah. like time bomb. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. you're in time bombs. I was moving to like size 40 pants and I was moving to like extra large shirts. I'm Canadian actually. So our clothing is a little bit smaller than American. So it's like I had to go shopping in Pennsylvania kind of thing to start like grabbing some bigger sizes and clothing and things. And so not against anyone who happens to be that size. I just didn't feel comfortable being that way. But where this went was like when I decided that I had to prioritize working out and it had to come from somewhere, even it took me like six months to be comfortable working out at 930 in the morning knowing that it's important for not only my health, but how I show up and how I look and the confidence I have. And it's actually yeah. important for business, but it felt so wrong to spend time on me when it's quote unquote business hour. Yeah. So we all have these stories we tell ourselves of what's right and what's wrong, how people should act, what being a good girl or good boy is from your childhood or whatever it is. And when you start to question it and when you start to face it and decide to do things differently, this is where things get really hard because yes. you're actually rebuilding oh, yeah. how you think and who you are. And it's incredibly uncomfortable. Well, and the thing is, and it's not, at least what I've experienced is that the hardest part of that is that in order to prioritize your own needs, that will result in uncomfortable conversations with other people and could compromise and or possibly end some relationships that will you know, that if they mean anything at all to, to you will be extremely uncomfortable. That's it's the not part that, that I struggle it with will. the most. It, it will. will be. It, yes, it will I'm, require sacrifice. I'm, I'm putting the best you possible put, construction no. on it. But, but let's not. But let's not. <laughs> <laughs> it, it will. It will cost you misunderstandings because you are starting to think in a different way. You're influenced by different people or different circles. You're taking in new information. You'll hear things starting... like, what happened to you? You used to be such a nice person. Yeah. Listen, I went in 2018, I got really, really depressed, uh, uh -huh. like really depressed. And I told my friend, Evan, I told him that I was really, really down. And he invited me over to his condo. And he's like, spend the day with me. And like, let's just hang out. I don't know if you know Evan Carmichael or not. He has a YouTube channel and the name really rings a bell. I've gone through a, I don't know if I want to say an obsessive self-study, but you know, cause it's gone on for like six years now, but, <laughs> but yes, I've been burning through a lot of different YouTubers, authors, et cetera. And so the name really, really rings a bell and I'm going to be going and digging into it, do it after we're done talking. No, and I only say it just in case people know who he is and it'll help explain the story a bit because it's a bit of a weird story. So I got really depressed because of all the reasons that we just talked about, like business, yeah. my business. I was not aligned with it. And so I got depressed and Evan's like, Mark, you hate your life. And I'm like, no, I don't. What are you talking about? I've got a great company and I've got a great team, which I did. And I've got great clients, which I did with great people and a great family. And I had money and I had all that stuff. And he's like, no, Mark, you just, you hate your life. 
And I would just like fight him so hard. So anyway, a few months later, he invited me to Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within because uh-huh. he works with Tony's team. And so we show up, I, like I'm a guest of Evan, who's a guest of Tony. We yeah. show up and what I didn't realize was when you work with Tony's team, you don't sit in like kind of the normal stadium area. You sit in this little place off stage where all the special guests sit. So it's like, I'm just <laughs> some dude. What's funny is because now this is a one of Tony's events is on my bucket list. And then the the next level would be to be like at the VIP box. But at least from what I've read in one day of a Tony Robbins live event, I think he's actually you know, kind of plugged in all the biometric monitors. I think he burns something like 60,000 calories. Oh, he says a lot of stuff because he jumps up and down a lot. He talks about yeah. the impact on his legs and his knees and he does wear yeah. those things. But we're in this special section just off stage. So I'm in the very front row. So like, it's like me and then there's like the metal gate and then you look up and then there's Tony Robbins. And this is before COVID, but Tony is yeah. really into it. So when he's talking, like, and when we say he's spitting fire, like he's spitting on you. Like, it's just like, yeah. and there's like sweat hitting you and stuff. But there's me, there's like Olympic snowboarders, there's actors, there's, there's all of these amazing people. And it's just me. So yeah. <laughs> I go to this event with Evan and it is completely transformative for me. It completely helps me understand what's been holding me up. It completely helps me redefine how I need to focus on health, which is really what kicked off my health change. The fact that my goal, the goal that I set for myself at that event, my 10-year goal, my current business, my current thinking, my current network, my current approach, everything I was doing would not help me hit that goal. I could not hit my goal by doing what I was doing that day. And so when I came home, just like you said, quite honestly, I heard from my team, Mark's gone crazy. He's joined a cult. He is, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why he thinks he can do this. I decided to start becoming an influencer and put out stuff on social media. And one of my team members was like, Mark, you're not Gary Vee. Like, I don't know why you think anyone will listen to you. Like, not the nicest things, but at the same time, I was like, I believe that I'm capable of more. Because I had spent so many years feeling like I flirted with greatness, but never actually touch it. Like, I was working really, really, really hard to try and keep the house of cards up, playing coverage every single place in my business. But if I had stopped, everything would crumble around me, which meant it it wasn't real. Everything felt kind of fake. And it wasn't imposter syndrome. It was me knowing truthfully that what I was doing all day, every day, and what I was telling people wasn't actually what I wanted and where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do with my life or what I wanted to build. Yeah, And as soon as I started taking steps towards that, prioritizing my health, being very direct and honest with people as opposed to just hedging all the time, gaining more confidence, making big decisions in my business that people were not happy with, guess what it cost me? It cost me their trust and respect. Mm -hmm. Uh, It cost me relationships. It cost me a lot of money. (laughs) But each step, I started to realize the truth more and more. And once you start to move forward, this messy way you talked about, and each one confirms that the direction you're heading is the true way you should be heading, the more the old stuff feels really uncomfortable and gives you PTSD. And it's like, oh, I can't do that anymore, which just further proves that you need to take more steps forward, which just costs you even more behind you until ultimately you hit the point where you have to ask yourself, like, am I worth it? Like, am I worth putting myself first? Am I worth making these sacrifices 
and trying to do it respectfully with everyone for sure. But yeah. am I worth actually doing this hard thing today so I can spend those decades in the future doing what I want to do? And then the really scary thing is what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? What if they were right? What if I, I am a little crazy? What if I'm so delusional I tricked myself? What if I have joined a cult? Like what if, what if, what if? Yeah. And you're so tempted to just run back to the old way of doing things because it's known and it's safe and all of those things. This yes. is why you, you, you know this you will have a guaranteed slightly above average outcome. Well, actually, yeah. okay, well, yeah, you have a guaranteed and almost guaranteed pretty good but not amazing outcome. And, and and you won't be happy, and you won't like yes. it, and you won't have that spark or that energy or that joy. You won't have that energy. You won't show up to others, um, being able to pour a ton of value into them because you're spending so much time and energy just dragging your ass out of bed, just so that way you can drive to a place you don't like, just so you can do work that you're not excited about. Trust me, I've lived in the three places that you can live, which is like mediocrity, just getting by. Yeah. Then when I started to change, I actually I actually took a big step backwards, and got really, really hopeless. When I talked about that, like that, like yeah. crazy and what are you, like for the first time in my life, about a year and a half ago, I came to know the truth so much that I realized like, oh, what if the future isn't as good as the past? What if I blew it? What if I only had this one shot? What if, what if, what if? And then on the other side of that, when I realized the truth, which is, oh my goodness, if there's so much opportunity out there. And we are so, like, I, I can say this about myself. I am so good at what we do. And what we do as an agency, what I do on my podcast, the things that we spend time and energy on, we're doing the right things in the right order. And this is going to work out and it's going to be amazing. And the future is going to be so much better than the past because now I'm not just trying to like get by with things that are broken. Now I'm building something the right way for the long run. And so having lived in all three of those mindsets, like mediocrity, yeah. hopeless future, and optimistic, crazy, exciting future, let me tell you, that last one is the place you want to spend your time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so, but I think the price of admission, right? The ticket price is basically that you have to be fully and completely, and I guess I would say irreversibly committed to it. Because if you try to hang on, you'll spend so much time patching holes that you'll never be able to get there. But if you are the product, you can do anything. Yep, this is true. You can take off like, I'm a host. I'm a professional conversationalist. So I get paid mm -hmm. to help host live events. So MC events, host and yeah. moderate panels. I have my podcast. All of this stuff is in preparation for my 10-year vision I have in my head for the Netflix show and for all of these other things that we'll, we'll be pursuing. Cool, like I can put that version of me on. And at the same time, I'm a brand strategist who owns a creative agency and we help yeah. you know, entrepreneurs and consultants and coaches develop badass brands that drive more sales, that say the right things, that show up looking crazy good, that gets attention. Like We do all of that stuff. But if I'm not doing the agency, let's say it's just an asset I own, or maybe I just had to shut it down. Yeah. And one day I'm like, you know what? I, this, this whole hosting thing, you know, maybe the internet changes in such a way that it's just like it's not a thing anymore somehow. I don't know. Maybe AI somehow takes over then what am I going to do? It doesn't matter. I'll just do whatever's next. <laughs> yeah, And exactly. that's the difference in mindset between like me building an agency and trying to hold on to it, or you building a career, or you building corporate, or you starting something up, or you being a freelancer yeah. and hold, like just desperately hoping that, that this thing you have doesn't go away. That it doesn't fall apart before you hit the end of the sidewalk. Exactly. But when you are the product, you go, 
oh, okay, like I learned a lot. And, and it even makes risk a little bit easier because it's like, well, but I know that I'm spending a lot of money right now, but okay, cool. Like I'm going to learn a lot and I'm going to be able to take this with me wherever I go. And, you know, a lot of people struggled with the pandemic and COVID and I spent a lot of money. We lost a lot of money during like a lot of money. Our balance sheet pretty much ran out during that time. Yeah. And I spent a year or so of it kicking myself for being like such an idiot for losing all this stuff and wasting all this and then at a certain point, I was like, oh, like I never went to university or college. Like I, I didn't do that route. And I was like, oh, that was my university tuition I just paid. Yeah. All that yeah, money. That's tuition. Bam. That's my tuition. That's my, you know, living and keeping the house fed. That's my dorm. You know, the food bu- budget for my kids. That's yeah. the beer budget, I guess, that college students would use or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, cool. That was my university and I and our college career. I learned a lot. And now I've graduated. Let's go, right? Like I am the product. I am going to live a long time. If I'm not doing this, I will do something else. And and there's a confidence in that. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. So I think we're at a really good endpoint. So we've got everybody like jacked up. So what's that one last thing you want to let everyone know before we hit, hit end on the recording? Give me that one uh, last nugget. If you're not willing to do everything I just described, then you don't really love yourself. And I'm sorry to say that, but you may love your kids more than yourself or your spouse or your partner more than yourself or your work or your career or your car or your house or whatever it is. You might love everything more than yourself, but if you're not willing to make a sacrifice, a big sacrifice for your own happiness, for your own future, and frankly, for the next level of success that will come when you align all of these things, if you're not willing to do that, that doesn't say anything about the world or the economy, or the, the opportunities. It's whether you actually love yourself or not. Some people are willing to move states for their job or their career or their business. Some people are willing to you know, give up family relationships because they're holding them back, or they're willing to take that hit and move down into an apartment from a huge home or whatever. And then you yeah. see them on the other side and somehow they have done an amazing thing and you're like, oh man, I wish I had what they had. They were willing to do the sacrifice because they value themselves enough to do it. So if you are keep bumping up against this, don't start looking at everyone else or blaming all those things outside. I hate to say it. You you need to look at yourself because you are worth it. That is awesome. So I think we'll end on that. You are worth it. Mark, let everybody know where they can find you online. If you want to check out the podcast, it's called We Do Hard Things. My name is Mark Drager. You can head over to YouTube and do a quick search on it, or it's on all of your podcast listening apps. If you want to send me a message directly, head over to IG. My handle is at Mark Drager, and you can uh, send me a message. Let me know what your takeaway was from this conversation. I would love to hear from you. Sounds beautiful. Mark, you are worth it. So mine, so is everybody who's listening, and everybody, you have a wonderful day. Hey, thanks for watching to the end of the video. There's just a couple of things that I need from you right now. Number one is I need you to subscribe. If you're not already a subscriber to the channel, please hit the subscribe button and turn notifications on. That way you will know every time I publish new content. Number two, comment, share your thoughts. I wanna know what you did and didn't like. What should I make next? And number three, share this with your friends. Go on to Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, wherever you uh, you hang out socially, 
and then post a link to this video and let people know what you liked about it and make sure to tag me. And then what I would also like to do is I would like to offer you the most incredible free gift ever. And this is related to my business where I help other businesses reduce their contract related costs. If you are a decision maker in a business, then I want to talk with you to see about how we can address your contract costs and drive savings. If you know somebody who is a business decision maker, then I would like you to help me get in contact with them. And in exchange, I am going to give you a absolutely free vacation at one of 30 places across the United States with no obligation and no timeshare pitch. Uh, the value of this, again, depending on how much savings we achieve, can literally be between thousands and millions. So anyway, just hit the button below for the most incredible free gift ever. Make sure to subscribe, share, and comment, and watch the next video because I'll be at you with more.